1.45 p.m. on a Saturday at a blockbuster video, Seattle, Washington, 1997. Gerald Gardner? Are you Gerald Gardner? Uh, yeah, dude. But can't you call me Captain? Listen, Simposaurus, I'm here to warn you about a grave threat to our future of drinking Mountain Dew and playing Mortal Kombat in the arcade like bosses. Arcades are over, Grandpa. The future is couch co-op. Listen, dude. The apocalypse has come in the year 2020. Only you can stop it and restore order to the Republic. The Galactic Republic? Didn't they get taken out in the Clone Wars? God damn it, Gerald. The Republic of the United States of America. We are a democracy, bro. I'm not your bro. I'm literally you, douchewaffle. Listen, my junior bacon cheeseburger is getting cold. Got a point, old man? In the year 2020, an apocalypse unlike any ever seen in the history of the United States will unfold. Businesses will crumble. Citizens will be held in indefinite lockdown. And ID cards will be required to leave your home. Fuck. It's the vampires, isn't it? First we let Eddie Murphy into Brooklyn. Then we interview Brad Pitt and Drag. And finally, we let Wesley evade his taxes? No, idiot. It's the coronavirus. It's coming for all of us, and only you can stop it. Coronavirus? You mean the common fucking cold? No. It is far worse. COVID-19? COVID-19? You mean COVID-23? That sounds like a movie. Mother of God. Put on your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch, because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar. As the prophecy was once made PG-13. I'm T-Spirit Penguin Daniel. Nichols is here. And today, there are many things that are here and many things that are gone, but there is something that is both here and gone at the same time, Broadcaster Nichols, and that is Deadpool 3. <laughs> what have you heard about our vaunted sequel to a sequel that I didn't think was actually going to happen, but is now confirmed to be happening? Sometimes I think back of my fond childhood and I think to myself of all those times people said, just wait, you'll see him live long enough to become the villain. 
or they turn into those husk creatures from Mass Effect. <laughs> and that's kind of what Deadpool 3 is probably going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There has been a lot of information that has come out about Deadpool 3 as of recent, and it's not good. None of it's good. It's all universally bad. And uh, we'll just we'll just start off with the entire... Okay, not the entire writing staff. Every male writer from Deadpool 2 and 1 has been fired for Deadpool 3. Every single male writer has been fired. And they were replaced <laughs> by female Keyword male. Oh, there we go. <laughs> they were replaced by female writers. I think I think in the future they're going to restrain they refrain from uh saying males were fired i think they're gonna go with we feminized the rules (laughs) Uh, the the white men their 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 privilege was checked i think even that's going to be a naughty word soon (laughs) privilege so so they don't suggest they have privileges all right (laughs) you fucking ableist (laughs) it does with this with this whole sjw thing it, it is an ouroboros by definition, the I think head it's so always eats the tail. I feel it's so funny because I, I understand what you mean when you say SJW, but even the term SJW seems like such an old term now. <laughs> it does in the it? way in the way things move in this in this landscape? It's mm-hmm. just like when you say SJW, I was like, yeah, that's like feels like five years ago. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> you know? it was five years ago. <laughs> So so uh these writers were replaced by two female writers from Bob's Burgers. Broadcaster Nichols. God. What do you know about Bob's Burgers? I've never watched an episode in my life. Uh I've never felt compelled to watch an episode in my life. Uh I really to be honest, and this isn't I'm not throwing shade on any particular cartoon that could be potentially funny. I'm not saying Bob's Burger doesn't have its funny points. It might but I haven't watched anything since the first like six or seven seasons of Family Guy. I kind of watched a little bit of American Dad. I didn't really like it too much. Kind of got out of it. I saw that Cleveland got his own spinoff or whatever. And that was horrible. Like, oh I didn't watch God. any of that. And I just kind of that completely made me lose faith in everything. I know Simpsons is still going. I, I've never I haven't watched in a long time. I know King of the or not King of the Hill, sorry, Beavis and Butthead is supposedly coming back. Um, you know, I, I still have faith in Mike Judge. Hopefully he can keep mm-hmm. it to get pulled together, but who knows? Because well, he was just on Joe Rogan recently. He so. was. And yeah. anytime a show comes back, the first thing I do is I look to see who's bringing it back. And if it's the original creator, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Mike Judge is involved with that, so that does look good. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Deadpool 3 on the other hand does not look good Bob's Burgers now I am someone who has watched the first four seasons of Bob's Burgers I only watched it because my wife loves it and it's a show we watch together <laughs> I would not in a thousand years watch a single episode of the show by myself ever period. I knew I detected disdain in your voice Penguin. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing about Bob's Burgers Bob's Burgers is a 
very much like a Nickelodeon's kid show from the late 90s, not early 90s when it was when the Nickelodeon was lit. I'm talking late 90s Nickelodeon when it was starting to get a little weird, a little whack. little whack. That's sort of what Bob's Burgers is. And I'm gonna, I'll say right now, it's not the worst cartoon on there right now. Not not by a long shot. Family Guy is probably worse than Bob's Burgers right now. Now, seasons one through four of Family Guy smoke Bob's Burgers, but I'm talking current versus current. Current versus current, Bob's Burgers probably a little bit better, but that's not saying much. It's not a good show. It is clearly a G-rated kids show. There is very little adult humor in Bob's Burgers, and the, the real draw to that show as an adult is if you're an Archer fan, because the guy who plays Archer is also the dad in Bob's Burgers. Right, right. I mean, I, th- I know exactly where the studio at Disney is going, right? Because the whole idea that was floating around, conspiracy, if you will, floating around before this, any of this Deadpool 3 business was confirmed was even if Disney decides to make a Deadpool 3, it's going to be ruined because... the it's not it doesn't fit in with the tone of their universe Mm -hmm. and i i would tend to agree as it's like if it does happen it's not gonna be what you want and this is just a prime example what they're doing is is they're giving comedians right jokes for kids essentially and they're giving them the opportunity to make something a little risque in their own perception, which is probably pretty tame and controllable for Disney instead of the exact opposite, like letting the original writers of Deadpool one and two that will go over the charts for Disney and expect to govern them successfully enough to make Deadpool three that is in Disney's eyes. Good. You know, so the the option they present is just easier for them. I see it like there's like, oh, yeah, we'll just give pussies the opportunity to be men or, you know, instead of giving men the opportunity to be pussies. It's a lot easier that way, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Feige, who is like the hero of the Marvel Universe and every all the nerd, the normie nerds give him like full credit for the Marvel cinematic universe. Uh, I don't, I think Kevin Feige is just a fucking douchebag in a suit. I don't think he has anything to do with the real success of any of the good Marvel movies. And they're not all good. Let's, let's just dispel that myth right now. Broadcaster Nichols, every MCU movie is not God's gift to the fucking universe. Like the nerds would have you think some are good. Well, some are bad. Are you talking about financially or perception or no, like just you know, like being audience. good movies? Oh yeah, for sure. There's some there's some floating turds out there for oh, sure. Oh my god! But not only that, like here's a fun fact. I think th- now don't quote me on this. I'm have to look this up to see if it's still true. But I think not too long ago, it was a fact that the original Avengers still hadn't made its money back. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting one. Which just goes to show you how much these movies cost. And even with their, well, <laughs> put the tinfoil hat on blockbuster ratings that you would think they'd be making quite a bit of profit. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't know. Maybe maybe Avengers 1 just costed so much and they didn't perfect the technology that they were using yet. Maybe things got a lot cheaper for them going forward and Avengers yeah. is just kind of this outlier. There's a lot of things out there that I'm not addressing clearly, obviously, but I just thought that was a pretty fun fact. Yeah. Well, the first Avengers movie was a huge step forward. I remember watching the original Avengers movie just being like, holy fuck. We it was went, a marvel. Yeah. We went from Spawn to this. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> fuck? Dude, when I saw Mark Ruffalo go Hulk, dude, I was like, dude, this is dope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is dope. <laughs> yeah. That first Avengers movie was good, and it deserved to Absolutely. make its money back, but... It just goes to show you the bad. I'll bet way worse movies made their their money back in the MCU than the original the original Avengers did, which is sad because I mean, what the original Avengers is definitely the second best Avengers movie at the least, right? Yeah. Do you well, think? I mean, so, let, let's talk about this. Do you think Civil War is better than the original? Or Infinity War Part One. No. Do you think I don't think Age it's of better Ultron than is better than the original or Infinity Part One? No. See, I kind I really like uh, forgetting the name now. Endgame uh, or Infinity War and Endgame. I really liked those. There's some parts that obviously were super cringe, like the end of Endgame. <laughs> but I hate it. Than, but other than that, there's like. I just being a huge Marvel fan, I'm biased. I'm just not going to waste too much time on the podcast. But nonetheless, I liked, I think I, my idea of those movies are a little bit different as a package than you separating one as, you know, a really good movie and part two being, you know, not acceptable well, to you pretty much. Okay. Well, okay. That's fine. But tell me, so you're saying that you think Infinity War part two is better than the original Avengers? No, no. no. Okay. So it is not better. alone. No. Okay. Yeah. So it is better than part one. Of Infinity War, you think? You think Endgame's better than the first Infinity War? No, I think Infinity okay. War is better than Endgame, but I also think Infinity War is better than the original Avengers. Right. So, okay, so we're in lockstep then. I okay. believe Infinity War Part One is the best Avengers movie. Yeah, I think for sure. The original is the second best, and I think yeah, after that, sure. it's a fucking crapshoot. And that's where we disagree. You, you yeah. like Endgame? I would as jump. Number three. I would jump back to Endgame as number yeah. three for sure. Yeah. I would put Endgame at number four. I think Age of Ultron actually, is better. That's than actually. Endgame. Are we just talking about just Avenger just movies? Yep. Okay, I was gonna say because Iron Man beats all these motherfuckers. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was gonna say I was like, the original really. Iron Man is like the Citizen Kane of the MCU. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> you don't even bother comparing it. I just remember being so young and watching Iron Man eat a donut drunk as fuck on that donut. <laughs> and I was just like, I want to be Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> so so what do you going back to Deadpool 3, uh, what do you think? Does does it go full PG thirteen SJW bullshit Disney movie? Or do you yes. think they you do? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to hear the second part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah. This is where the magnifier comes into question, you know, like how much are you really looking for and how much are you really susceptible to slash uh, sensitive to like this movie that comes out might be, you know, I think what I'm trying to say in short is tame for us is going to be exceptional for the ideological opposition of us 
you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it will be praised in that fashion and akin like a lot of other Marvel movies that have come out that are terrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I think it will be propped up in that way no matter what. So, yeah. So, so Ryan Reynolds, he's a guy that I always kind of held up as this dude who had some integrity. Yeah. Like some scruples, like he had scruples I thought that he wouldn't sell out, and the early rhetoric on Deadpool 3 was hinting towards that. It was sort of like Ryan Reynolds was like, well, Disney said, well, you know, what you do isn't really what we do. And I said, okay, fine, you know, we'll just, we'll end this. And that's so, so I don't think Deadpool 3 is going to happen. Like, that was the original kind of story when Disney first bought uh, Fox Movie Studios or whatever. Uh, and that has totally flipped. So what do you think here? Do you think Ryan Reynolds fully sold out himself or do you think that he didn't have the the purchase power? Like he wasn't the one to actually make the call and he's sort of just like on a contract that he has to fulfill and he's just sort of like wringing his hands of it. What do you think? It's hard to tell, to be honest. You know, if you really want me to put the tinfoil hat on, I would say his integrity would have said, no about i don't know about eight or nine months ago but due to certain economical and global situations uh, a lot of these rich people are buying land out in the middle of nowhere and having compounds in the ground built which cost a lot of money (laughs) and i think they're all figuring that out so i think Mr. Ryan Reynolds is just like, yeah, I don't care where I get my millions anymore. Mm. So I'm about to check out anyways. <laughs> uh, that could be a little too close to home. Much like our preview of the movie Songbird. Broadcaster <sighs> Nichols, are you ready? When there's lightning, Stay it safe. somehow always brings you down. <laughs> Stay safe, sane. And sanitized. <laughs> What's that? You want more crack seller? <laughs> this is good. Join your lords on Twitter at the crack seller and Facebook.com slash the crack seller. Hey, you over there. Are you a straight up Chad or a strong woman? Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcasting app. Or, if you're a straight-up beta cuck, find us on YouTube with the rest of the Cloud Chasers. And we're back with our preview of Songbird. Broadcaster Nichols, COVID dystopia. 15 days to flatten the curve. 213th week of lockdown? Sounds, I mean, where's the lie? What are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, we're, I mean, you like quote unquote lockdown, like how you define what a lockdown is. I basically think the entire United States has been in lockdown since March, essentially, no matter what they say. The only lockdown that I accept is the great and powerful sci-fi movie lockdown starring guy pierce <laughs> all right <laughs> wow i forgot about that movie if you're not if you're not saving the president's fucking daughter yeah. in a sp- on a space prison colony then get the fuck out of here <laughs> uh 
That's a great little sci-fi movie that no one has ever heard of. <laughs> Any, anyways, proceed. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we have a lot of real life terminology in this movie, Songbird. Uh, when they're going through the parts where it's like doing like a little sonata, sonata of all the different radio and TV voices making their little comments about what's going on in the movie and the lockdown and the plague and everything, I hear one of them say, "The grim new reality." That's literally a talking point of CNN right now in real life. Like that's a real line that has been uttered by CNN. And probably Can't make that shit up, dude. Probably a host of other networks too, but people were watching actors use iPads in the fucking nineteen eighties dog. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so so this movie is essentially a take on this COVID crisis, quote unquote, that does not Hmm, follow the strict party lines of those who <laughs> might have a interest in canceling people. Yeah, it it definitely does not uh, ride the line, <laughs> as some people would say, or um, stick to mm-hmm. the approved script. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's no it's no surprise that this movie is meeting controversy because this movie is, is really painting our current political uh, sort of stranglehold in a very negative light. This is not like a, Oh, Tony Fauci is the greatest and uh, governor Gavin Newsom of California is the greatest. And Jay Inslee of Washington's the greatest. And you know, we're all staying safe here in the United States so that we can all build back better. That is not what I saw in this trailer. What say you, Broadcaster Nichols? No, not at all. It's so funny, too, because I I really think about how this movie is going to be received. And it's just funny because you have movies like The Purge and like, you know, where you have government sanctioned murder for a night. And then you got other movies that deal with like pandemics, like with, you know, murder, murdering or flesh eating zombies, you know, or whatever, like, uh, what is it? 13 days or I don't know, 23 days or whatever. The one that has the dude from, uh, it was like 30 days later or something. Yeah. You know, or any other typical zombie movie, like Dawn of the dead or whatever. Nonetheless, it, it deals with a virus or a pandemic breaking out, but no one, no one like could ever fathom, even though it's totally an idea that could come up with, you could come up with in Hollywood, where you bring those two ideas together, <laughs> where it's like a government using the idea of a pandemic to control you into submission, yep. kind of like how in Purge, they're controlling you into submission by letting you go crazy for a day, you know, by giving you a certain narrative. It's just, it's just crazy the way, like, it's like, it's one to, it reminds me of people. Somebody that tells you you don't like a chili dog, right? I don't like chili dogs. <laughs> and you're like, well, you like chili and you like hot dogs, don't you? Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, well, why wouldn't you eat a fucking chili dog? He's like, I just don't like it. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. It's a very Orwellian take, I feel like, on COVID-19. This is not like the sanitized, uh, no pun intended, version of COVID-19 movie. When when we first see 
Peter Stromberg uh, cop knock oh, on that chick's door, and he's like, <laughs> Department of Sanitation. Like, I was just like, oh, shit. It would be easier if you just opened the door. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> but, like, you see, that's like literally what if you go to like right wing type of people when it comes to COVID, the, the, Department of Sanitation with Peter Stromberg showing up at their doorstep is exactly what they think this is all leading to. Literally. Absolutely. So you see that this this movie seems very antagonistic. I feel like they're Michael Bay, my boy Michael Bay, who usually does Transformers movies and Ninja Turtle movies. He's taking a break to take on COVID, and I applaud him for that. <laughs> He's coming in hot into 2021 with a very serious and controversial movie that is likely to get him canceled much like Mel Gibson who he maybe may or may not be talking about later uh much well, him like- and Mel need to start talking then <laughs> Clint Eastwood might be in on it as well there this is not this is not keep talking going- keep talking bro I mean this sounds like a dream come true <laughs> yeah this movie is not going to sit well with a lot of people no, I think it's going to be censored into the ground, to be honest. Mm. Do you think it's going to be a media blackout, or do you think it's going to be a media hit piece? Which one? It's for sure a media blackout. Like, even the trailer. The trailer I've never says heard of the movie, movie until yesterday. Right. And all the, tra- all the uh, websites and channels on YouTube and stuff that host the trailer are just, you know, I wouldn't say, like, shady, because I don't know if you would say a website that talks about what unknown movies is really shady. I think it's just kind of like a, that feeling you get when you watch a B grade movie, you know, you're just like, who's this? And why are they talking about this movie? No one's talking about, you know, why should I care type of, and I feel like that's on purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. it's because they don't, they're not getting any attention from any important outlets at all. Yeah. So, and I mean, to some degree, I understand like, like the reasonable side of me says, you know, like, well, if, this was a too movie soon. coming out. Yeah, it, it it truly should be too soon in a respectful aspect. But the fact that, you know, this whole situation has been used and abused and it's really starting to show, it, it almost seems like a very apt opportunity. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. this, <laughs> so, this is a shot across the bow for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, no other moment of the trailer makes that more clear than the part where the the i think he's the protagonist the main guy that they show at the beginning of the movie that you see throughout the movie who's talking to the girl on the phone who's getting invaded by peter strombert uh this guy at one point he's traveling through the streets and like the cops find him and they you know tell him you know get your knees criminal and he's like i'm immune and he shows his immunity bracelet that is literally the immunization card that they're proposing in the United States and abroad right now. Yeah, for sure. Michael Bay is literally coming out being like, this is what we're talking about. When we talk about immunization cards, this is what we talk about. We talk about militarized SWAT police threatening your life unless you show them your little card that proves that you got your your little prick. Yeah. I think the worst, this is going to go off a little bit, but I think this is just kind of, the idea of these movies and the dystopian view of it all, you know, is that humanity has just gotten so numb 
to the idea of anything bad happening that's uncontrollable, especially in America or any first world country for that matter. You know, it's just we're like the government will never not not help us that would not be there or, or fuck us over or like there's no way another government could like just overthrow us you know <laughs> it's just this weird thing where you're just like well if we comply everything's gonna be good you know like no it's just it, it's just so weird you know and i think that's kind of where these movies touch on well like i i think michael bay is going at least you know it's just like you know, like it can happen to you. It is, it is a thing. And people tend to understand more when a big Hollywood movie starts talking about it. So I commend, I commend Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I didn't really like Michael Bay. I really don't like what you did to the end of transformers. <laughs> my friend, I do respect your taste in women. I will oh. say that. Oh. Um, and Let's leave it at Hit that. me up, dude. I know that narrator that you had sadly passed away a year or so ago. Um, but I'm here for you. Okay. Let me t- just come on. Hit me up. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's interesting because this movie called Songbird has a very sort of like misleading name. When you think of like the, you just said, hey, you heard of the movie Songbird? You're like, you were like, what What did you say to me? You're like, that's that Sandra Bullock movie about, <laughs> about like demons invading. What's, right? the, what's like, the name of that movie? It's called, it's called Bird Box. Bird Box. Both Fucking have birds. Bird in the names. So <laughs> it makes sense. But, but the fact that like you immediately go to that kind of shows you like this. They weren't like trying to get you with the title here. Like this, the title wasn't made to say, Hey, look at this. This is about this. We really want your attention on this. And we're going to use the title to get it. They're using an esoteric title that really has nothing to do with what's happening in the movie in a direct sense. I'm sure it does in a meta sense. I'm certain of it, but in a direct sense, the title songbird means nothing to what the actual trailer is and what the movie appears to be. That, to me, is a very Oliver Stone move. I feel like Oliver Stone was involved in this movie somehow. Maybe he was like a shadow director or something. I could see that. I will say, back to Michael Bay and his choice from women. I totally forgot. (laughs) The important subject. (laughs) I totally forgot to mention. Alexandria, I saw you in this (laughs) <laughs> this Wait, trailer she, she was banging michael bay i don't know but she if, he, if she is he's a lucky soul <laughs> let me tell you that holy fuck now that i know alexandra is fucking uh not crazy i logically she's now gone from like a 10 to a fucking unicorn to me like yeah. i don't i don't you're like a mythical creature <laughs> i'm serious like i shouldn't call you creature i'm sorry (laughs) you're a specimen (laughs) but nonetheless i that's the biggest surprise that was trailer for me the fact that like i've never seen such a hot and prevalent actress like take a stance like that like Mm -hmm. i don't know what she must not get that much work like people must have already known about her ideology or like you know political views or something like that and that's why it makes sense all of a sudden that she doesn't get that many roles Mm -hmm. but 
damn, I commend you as well. And yeah. please, she's straight up. Don't waifu. get married. Give me a chance. <laughs> <laughs> she's straight up waifu material. And uh, if they ever make a live action One Piece movie, I want her to play uh, Nico Robin. Oh, totally. And uh, oh, Nico Robin. Who'd sure. Who do you think I was going to say? Who's the main squeeze on the? I've, it's been so long since I watched One Piece. What's uh? Who's the main chick? Nami. With the yeah, Nami. Because they're both redheads. Nami looks like our sister, dude. Like she doesn't look like. <laughs> doesn't look like our sister. <laughs> She's Christ. a little thin redhead <laughs> chick. Okay, well, I mean, as far as an anime character. Well, <laughs> Alexandria's a redhead, so. She is. She's not. She's not. She's not like. She's not a wow. black haired. She's not black haired. Well, she is pale, though. That's I guess interesting. That she does <laughs> not look like a redhead. That's crazy. Her natural hair color is red for sure. Pretty damn sure. It's like Ooh. some. It's like a reddish like type color. She has like some special gene, then, dude. Yeah, it's not like you it's not like it's not like fiery red. I don't think it's like it's not like red red. Listen, but. stand down and stand by, broadcaster Nichols. Unbelievable. She actually reminds me a lot of Kelly from uh, Saved by the Bell. Whenever I see her, I've seen her in a few different movies, and she's kind of like the new version of her. Uh, Kelly's oh, the brunette, yeah, not the I one was who was in Showgirls. I, I knew you were going say. to Showgirls. <laughs> I was like, well, I agree that she should be in Showgirls too, maybe. But I don't agree she looks like that. <laughs> God, Showgirls is such a great movie. Alexandra, do consider maybe Showgirls. <laughs> On top of that, Michael Bay maybe consider <laughs> Michael Bay <laughs> directs Showgirls too. <laughs> All right. Rest in peace, Burt Baccarat. Rest in peace. <laughs> uh, um, God damn it. Well, uh, <clears throat> what do you think about the uh, hooker with the plastic face shield? <laughs> well, that was the most disturbing part. <laughs> you know, there in the movie was already going to a dark place. I was like, "All right, this is really, uh, you know, relevant." And then, and then Demi Moore is just like, "Sometimes you got to do some things," you know. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, all right, I'm kind of swelling up." <laughs> and then I saw the hooker in the face mask. And I was like, "All right, I'm deflated." <laughs> The fun well, the thing that I noticed about that scene that stood out, and it's another reason why this movie is not gonna sit well with a certain sect of society that watches Rachel Maddow every night. Uh, <laughs> Shots dude, fired 203. <laughs> so, so this hooker does her little hooker dance towards the John, right? With her little face plastic guard on, and then what she's done with her dance. She lifts the mask up and starts making out with him, man. <laughs> Just like, wait a second. Uh, well, I guarantee you what that is going to be. Maybe this and a future spoiler alert. Oh but being a, a human being, I know exactly what that scene's going to be. She's going to come into the room dressed up like that, and he's going to be like, "Yeah, this." It's going to be like saying a handy's not good enough. Turn around, type shit. You know. <laughs> It's going to be like, I'll pay you 300 extra dollars if you take that PPE off. So, and she's going to be like, I. Right. So, so what you're saying was you're going Requiem for a Dream. We're going ass to ass. Yeah. Ass to ass. 
Oh Dude. shit. Uh what was that guy's name from the I- old school IGN? His name was Greg something. He would always he had a podcast, dude, and he would always yell out ass to ass <laughs> random. Yeah, randomly, bro. It was the bad. This is the heyday, dude. This is before. What podcast was this? <laughs> it was his own podcast, separate of IGN, but he was working at IGN at the time. Dude, this was back in the day when Moriarty was still working there and stuff like that. A whole bunch of well-known conservatives right now. Hmm. Gamer conservatives, I should say. Oh, Colin Moriarty. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that guy. (laughs) He's vanished. Yeah, I think he got so... Well, anyways, we won't talk about it. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I think that this movie is very uh, topical (laughs) and uh, maybe a hashtag too soon, but the impression I get is this movie might shake some cages and rattle some people's brains loose a little bit on what's actually happening in real life. Because this movie is clearly a Trojan horse to get into people's heads to make them question what's happening in real life. Because the depiction that we see in this trailer is literally what every right-wing person sees COVID-19 as in right now in real life. And every left-wing person thinks is a conspiracy theory. So every single left-wing person you know is going to see this trailer and is going to think it's a conspiracy theory movie that's just total fiction. And every right-wing person that sees this trailer is going to think, this is a documentary. So we have quite a uh, gambit on our hands here. Yeah, I just I kind of worry about the movie in general just because the theaters are kind of just closed in most places and you know they're just not doing well and most of the big names out there are starting to show signs of not really supporting the theaters anymore so it really the enemy of this movie if you will <laughs> the opposition of this movie kind of owns the marketplace where this movie can kind of flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see the penetration into the market. This movie gets. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, broadcaster Nichols, as you know, we're all unauthorized citizens in the eyes of Jay Inslee. And uh, <laughs> in that vein, do you give songbird a thumbs up, a thumbs down or the dreaded side thumb. <laughs> Fuck. Rest in peace, Charlie Murphy, but I, I give those titties four thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a thumbs up, too. It looks good. It it doesn't... I don't really need a movie to tell me about what's happening in real life. It's not going to be informational to me. More to the point, I'm going to be watching this movie and imagining the reactions of all the normies watching it and just like literally their heads blowing off when they realize it. This scene is meant to be an allegory to a real scene that happened yesterday in Kenosha, Wisconsin. (laughs) And with that, Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to move on to our review of Fat Man? I am the fat man. And we're back with our review of the Gnome Brothers 
fat man. And the creators of this movie want you to know that it's not about Kevin Smith and describe it as the following. (laughs) To save his declining business, Kris Kringle, also known as Santa Claus, is forced into a partnership with the U.S. military. Making matters worse, Chris gets locked into a deadly battle of wits against a highly skilled assassin, hired by a precocious 12-year-old after receiving a lump of coal in his stocking. Broadcaster Nichols, this movie was produced by Sabin Films, the creators of the Power Rangers, or should I say the colonizers, the colonizers, (laughs) the colonizers of the Power Rangers. That sounds like a porno, bro. Like a bad porno, the colonizers. (laughs) Speaking of dark Power Rangers content, do you think this means that we have a new, darker version of the Power Rangers on the way? Well, uh, I think James Frank has already hinted to it on his social media accounts that they definitely Mm -hmm. are making a new one. And he's going to come back as the White Ranger. Man, all I'm saying is is if Saban Films is collaborating with my boy Mel, Mm -hmm. they need to get Mel in on the Power Rangers project like stat. (laughs) Imagine if he was like the Grand Master Power Ranger. Like... Like hidden from all lore, <laughs> that would piss so many people off in the Power Ranger community. Imagine if he was a uh, Rita Repulsa's grandpappy and he just oh, showed God. up and started spanking Rita Repulsa on the moon. It's like, bitch, get out of here. Let me show you how we really do this. Oh, that'd be too funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Fat Man is a Saban Films movie. And it is made by the Nelms brothers, who I've never heard of before this movie. And I looked into them, and they really haven't done shit. This is basically their first big movie. They have one other movie that I saw that was like a sort of like a crime movie, like an indie crime movie that I've never seen before. But nothing anyone's ever heard of. Right. Christmas movies are kind of cherished in Hollywood, I feel like. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, jump for the opportunity to make like an actual solid, cool Christmas movie. I think Tim Burton was a nobody till Nightmare Before Christmas, wasn't he? Or Edward well, Scissor. No, 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 no. Before, yeah. yeah. But was, what came before that? Like it was only his like it was a very early movie for him. He was super young. Edward Scissorhands is what put Tim Burton on the map, but yeah. what solidified him on the map was Batman. So did Nightmare or Batman come first? Batman came before Nightmare, but Batman came after Edward Scissorhands. I th- am pretty sure. So it's Edward, Batman, Nightmare? I believe so. Huh. Nightmare for sure is after both the other two. It's possible that Batman came before Edward Scissorhands, but I don't think so. I'm like 99% well, sure. The original Tim Burton's Batman's like 91, isn't it? like 91 92 no the original batman i think came out in 86 87 maybe it's around there and then batman returns 
I believe came out in 1990 or 1989, something like right around there. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, a new Christmas tradition, broadcaster Nichols. What say you? Oh, dude, it's a great movie. It's a lot. It's a weird one because it's not. It, it's a fine mixture. I guess I'll say that it's a it's a unique mixture, but it's a fine mixture, and I think it's passable for most families of age. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not a kids' movie. I think it's a it's fine. I think what it is, and hopefully maybe the beginning of adult based Christmas movies. <laughs> you know, like yes, we all know Santa Claus doesn't exist, but this is a cool adult take on on santa claus and in a pseudo realistic way you know like a little bit of fiction or uh, fantasy in there you know pretty much grounded in reality yeah it you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of a comic book in the way that uh the boys So if you look at the boys, it's basically like an adult alternate universe version of the Avengers. That's sort of the way I look at Fat Man. It's like this adult alternative version of Santa Claus, like Tim Allen Santa Claus. Like if you took Tim Allen Santa Claus and you went the boys route on it, that's you get. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty accurate. I don't think it's as gruesome as the boys, but it's definitely going in that direction. Yeah, no, not not quite. It's I'd say the boys are rated R, and I would say Fat Man should be rated PG thirteen. I don't know if it actually is rated PG thirteen. It could be R, but it should be rated PG thirteen. Would you not agree with that? Um, I mean, it, it was probably one scene that got him that rating, right? <laughs> if it, I don't know what the rating is, but uh, if yeah, if there is a scene that there is only one scene that would have pushed it to R, if that is what happened, which I'm not sure, but if that's true, that's a disservice because this is a movie a 13 year old can handle easily. It's not that. I think it was, a, it was pretty much the end scene, probably that would probably mm. not get the rating. <laughs> mm. That's not even the scene I was thinking of. That's interesting that you 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 chose that one. I was thinking of a different scene that push it to R, but we'll talk about that later. Um Rotten Tomatoes. We have a 40% critic score and we have an 80% audience score. You know <laughs> what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Always trying to put our boy Mel down. <laughs> <laughs> We won't have it on the crack cellar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, most of the bad reviews are going to be from Mel Gibson haters for this movie. Because this is a good movie. It's not the best movie I've ever seen. It's not anything super crazy or super experimental or something that's just going to blow your mind and like make you think in different realities or anything. But it's a solid movie it's a solid christmas movie and it sort of like bridges the gap between uh die hard and a christmas story you know what i'm saying like 
you have like typical Christmas <laughs> movies, like a Christmas I bet, story. Honestly, I bet you Mel Gibson would be truly honored to hear somebody say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, you have these movies that are just traditional Christmas movies, like a Christmas story that everyone's seen a thousand times. It's G rated that just it's like this is Christmas. Then you have these action movies that are out in orbit that people debate whether or not they're Christmas movies. Like, how many times have you heard people argue or seen arguments about if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not? Many times, right? Uh, yeah. But it's not I think really. People just for, I think people just always think of the action and forget that it's based on Christmas Day. You know, so. Yeah, so... So you have like these the the Die Hard movie that is not really a Christmas movie. It's based around Christmas. It's an action movie, but people really want it to be a Christmas movie. And right. then you have true Christmas movies like A Christmas Story. I feel like Fat Man is the literal answer to that. Like, no, this is Die Hard, but it's also really a Christmas movie because guess what? The main character is fucking Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It- it's it's really well done too like it, they keep it really uh i don't even know what the word to use but the mystery level or they keep the aspects of what makes a traditional christmas movie our traditional santa claus if you will in the north pole and in the shop and all that it's very nebulous and like not really there they only kind of loosely talk about it but they imply that all the fantasy based magical aspects of Santa Claus are there working in the background, but you never really see it. And instead it's covered up with this really grounded, just, you know, dude living out in the middle of nowhere with his wife and running a slave camp type thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's weird. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely, a weird movie and uh good good acting all around in this movie i have to say i was oh yeah surprised at the quality of acting because there's two movies like when i first discovered fat man it was from you and it was the same time we discovered jujitsu so you, you yeah. introduced me to two movies at the same time jujitsu and fat man now holy shit is there a difference between the acting quality between these two movies Nick Cage wishes he had the acting performances in Jiu-Jitsu that were in Fat Man. Because Fat Man is a legit movie. Not a B-movie. It is a legit movie, in my opinion. What do you think? Do you do you think of Fat Man as a B-movie or an indie movie? Because it's clearly low budget. But when I watch movie, it, sure. when I watch it, it takes the low budget and it turns it into like professional grade movie, in my opinion. Well, I think this is part of the magic that Mel Gibson is just a production <laughs> power, uh, pr- uh, production powerhouse in his own capacity brings to the table. You know, like when you see a Mel Gibson movie, it has, well, I shouldn't say Mel Gibson movies, like all of them are like that, but I say this one in particular has that indie type of vibe to it. Like you would see it at a film festival or something like that. If it was a different actor besides Mel, but it has just enough budget to give it, to raise it above the schlock value of not having enough money for like sets and, and a tool at like, you know, props and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff and makeup and, and, you know, certain cameras that, 
in in the amount of editing and stuff that makes a really good movie pop you know like mel brings that to the table but also somehow maintains that really low budget uh feel uh like indie feel with this movie mm-hmm. yeah because I feel like I, I don't know how it exactly went, but I don't know if this was somebody's idea. The writer was somebody else and then Mel bought it and it's his house that's doing it because that makes the most sense to me. No, <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because Mel Gibson was not a writer or a producer on this movie. He is strictly an actor. In fact, I guarantee you some his money's influenced in this movie. There's there's no fucking way that he got a lead role in this movie and none of his money isn't involved. Well, there's all. Yeah, you know, you never know about like the the Benjamins behind it. But in, in terms of the credits, like the credits for this movie, Mel Gibson is only credited as an actor, which Interesting. Is it, it is interesting because a lot of the movies he's been doing lately, he has been credited as a producer in most of them and a writer in some of them and even a director in some of them. So for him to just take a movie, an indie movie, and only be an actor in it and not be like, I want to be an executive producer and I want this and blah, 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 blah. It's interesting. It's very interesting. It, it means that he looked at the script and he was like, this says something to me. I need to do this role. And I'm going to say right now, the performance in this movie lays credence to that supposition because his performance in this movie was nothing short of Braveheart. He was so sold on this script. Every line he delivers in this fucking movie is so fucking serious. It is 100% Mel Gibson, I am not phoning this shit in. I want to be here. Dude, ever since I saw him in Expendables 3 with that cigar and just doing that <laughs> evil villainous laugh, I was like, this man needs to play Santa Claus. <laughs> I get to see him with the beer going, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah. And uh, luckily we got it. Not quite what I expected, but a good movie. Uh, it, it's it's shockingly good soundtrack too. Like, did did you notice how well, great not, the soundtrack you know, was? Before we move on to the soundtrack, I just want to say, you know, not only was Mel out of the park in this, Walton Goggins was also a killer in this mm. movie as well, literally and figuratively in this movie. <laughs> so. I just want to, he, he did really well. I, I don't know why Walton doesn't get more roles, but if you really look back at his, at his history kind of explains why he'd be partnering up with Mel, Mm -hmm. you know, he only does movies that are pretty much considered, uh, well, not considered uh, associated with people that aren't, I don't know, for lack of better words, PC, you know, like Quentin Tarantino, and uh what's his name that did vice principals um danny mcbride which danny mcbride by the way danny mcbride is an executive producer yeah on yeah 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 Mm -hmm. i noticed that (laughs) i think that's why walton's in it to be honest because him and danny i think are boys Mm -hmm. i felt some danny mcbride humor in this movie several times 
I felt his I'll, footprint on it. Dude, where the fuck is Danny McBride at? I haven't seen that guy in a minute. I think he just made so much money that he's just laying low now. Because I, it's it's weird to think about, but in like the years of like 2000, I want to say eight, between 2008 and like 2014, that dude was in a lot of shit. He was in like 10 different TV series, like five different movies. He worked a lot. And he's he's definitely taken a break since then. He hasn't been in near as much. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. But you definitely feel his uh, footprint on this movie. And this entire cast is really good. Even like the kids are good. And uh, Santa's wife is good. You know who the only bad actors in this movie are? I'm, I'm going to let you say your, who you think first is. Who do you think are the only bad actors in this movie? Um, I think the grandma was cool. The kid was pretty good. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now. Probably the general. Yes. And yeah, I don't know. Probably the general. All of the military actors were oddly bad actors compared to the rest of the cast. And I thought about that for a while. And I thought about sort of like the overall commentary of this movie of being like, sort of like about consumer culture and like the way we look at societal bias and capitalism and the way, like when that woman shows up and starts talking to Santa Claus, AKA Mel Gibson there's a part where some woman shows up and starts saying, we just we just really want you to bring in our sales. Like, there's this point where a military contractor talks starts talking to him about sales and, like, how we think that we have room and improvement for our quotas. And he just looks at him like, bitch, I'm Santa Claus. I'm not, I don't care about my sales numbers. I think that that's a really weird spot for these military people because she was she was purposefully acting odd and the general was purposely acting odd all of the military actors were purposefully sort of just not acting quite right in my opinion and i think it was a part of the overall meta of the movie which is anti-consumerism and sort of pro-americana you know, it, it, this, when it comes well, yeah. to the end of the I day, I think they were trying to make the military untrustworthy, you know, yeah. in that aspect. So they, they were up to no good. There was some greater evil behind the idea of employing Santa to get the numbers up, you know, and getting them in contracts. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say that the only bad acting in this movie, I think, was purposely bad in a very kind of uh, subversive way. I don't think it was bad <laughs> on purpose. Yeah, dummies for hire, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. And I mean, I, I could just all be bullshit, but that's the impression I get. But going back to the soundtrack, did you notice how good the soundtrack was? Oh, yeah. It was a great. It was. I loved the whole movie. It was the cadence of, of the, of the storyline, the beats, the actors, the score. Like, it, I don't know if the score was really superb but it was well timed like the scenes and, and the, the dramatic drops and stuff like that were all well timed for a kind of a comedic dark art mm-hmm. it's definitely a dark comedy that's what it is yeah it, 
there are times where this movie kind of flirts with uh, Quentin Tarantino style. <laughs> the end, especially like if you take the last 30 minutes and by the way, this movie starts off with a very slow boil and you might get about halfway through and be like, I thought this was going to be an action movie. What's going on? Just give it a few more minutes. Because the last 30 minutes is like some crazy shit that just goes off the fucking rails. And there are some serious Quentin Tarantino vibes at certain points of that last 30 minutes that we yeah. will go into in more detail later. It's funny, too, because they have a very early foreshadow that you don't really, really think anything of. You're just like, all right, they're just kind of setting up some weird mythical power type backs- background knowledge with that and then the final scene comes you're like oh wow they were just trying to illustrate to you something that's about to happen in a lot more uh well magnitude (laughs) (laughs) but overall the message of this movie is that society is getting worse kids are getting worse and santa is fucking done with it and overall i love you gotta love it (laughs) Mel Gibson was the right man for the job. <laughs> and uh yeah, like Broadcaster Nichols, would you recommend this movie to someone that hasn't seen it yet that is uh on the fence whether or not they should watch that man? Oh, absolutely. The great movie. Not only is it a great dark comedy if that's your that's your thing, but it's a great Christmas movie. I think you could probably enjoy it with uh, your family that has, you know, teenagers and above probably. (laughs) I wouldn't show it to anybody that you want to convince Santa Claus is a real and good person. still. (laughs) I know. I think if you show your toddlers, this movie, they might act a little better towards Christmas season. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) could backfire though (laughs) it's a great it's a great christmas story though i think everyone should go pick up and watch Mm, indeed uh highly recommend this movie i think that it it's not what i expected but it's what i think i needed from a christmas movie at this point you're you're not going to, when you go into this movie, you're not going to expect what it actually ends up being like, but you're going to be like, God damn, that was awesome. And, uh, with that broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get into our spoiler section? I was born ready. Broadcaster Nichols. The bar scene was not what I expected. Santa reverse cock blocks. Some random dude who's trying to fuck a female bartender who looks like she should be retiring to the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> well, it's a married man, right? Because Santa right. knows oh, he's trying to stop a guy from cheating on his wife. That's the <laughs> Christmas spirit of the moral of the story. <laughs> do, you, do you remember our preview of Fat Man where we were we were both like, what's up with the bar scene? It doesn't make <laughs> yeah. sense. Dude, honestly, even as the even as the scene was playing out, I still thought back that I was like, "Dude, is Santa about to cap somebody? What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it was it was interesting. The whole time I watched that, I'm just like, eh, this is a weird scene. This is a weird scene. And at the very end, you're like, oh, shit. Santa just, you know, reverse cock blocked this dude and said, hey, dude, don't cheat on your woman. Go home for Christmas. And you're like, A, that is something Santa would do. And B, that is not at all what I expected from the scene in this movie when I first watched this trailer. Like, it was very sort of uh, breaking expectations. And that's a theme that I think is common in this movie. For sure. That's definitely one of the vibes you get, no doubt. It's just a, <laughs> I think it just sets the pace for how dark the movie kind of gets as far as what Santa deals with, you know, he's like the first thing is him going to a bar and helping both parties involved by just telling him not to have, or, <laughs> 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 you know, it's just, it's weird. And, uh, but you're just like, yeah, Santa would do that. Right. <laughs> so yeah and this is a interesting portrayal of santa i have to say uh i was kind of expecting like bad santa that's sort of yeah. what i was expecting bad santa with mel gibson that would i mean i wouldn't be bad <laughs> no but what we ended up getting is sort of like a really grizzled and sort of fed up abused broken version of Tim Allen Santa Claus. Like you imagine if Tim Allen Santa Claus was just put through the gulag for 30 years and just like put through America from 2018 to 2020, like this This is what would happen to him. This would be like if Tim Allen Santa Claus was canon with the Terminator universe (laughs) and this Mel Gibson version is the dark timeline of Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> where the military, that military that comes and gives him the contract is actually fighting <laughs> or producing the Skynet robots right then. <laughs> That's why they were getting the else contracted. <laughs> they were going to build the first T T eight hundreds. Yeah. It's interesting though that they Telling kind you, of bro. It's true. <laughs> they kind of made him like a middle America small business owner though. If you think about it, like the way that he's portrayed oh, yeah, in this movie. Sure. <laughs> like he's driving like some old beat up Ford truck. He's just a simple man living a simple life, making slaves of elves, yeah. building toys for children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it- it has comic book vibes. Like we talked about earlier, the way that the boys sort of goes and uh, darkens and satiritizes uh, the Avengers. I feel like that's exactly what we're doing with Mel Gibson and Santa Claus here. It's just like this weird alternate dark take on Santa Claus. If Santa Claus was real and if he was a part of like the military industrial complex and like the giant, you know, economic apparatus of the United States. And there's no other scene in this movie that demonstrates it more when the government shows up and gives him his government subsidy check. And he's like, bitch, this is half. (laughs) I love that part. I think bad Santa and Billy Bob was kind of more of a story about 
criminals using the cover of Christmas. Right. You know, and, and, you know, mixed in with a little bit of character progression, you know, and facing his demons and all that type of stuff. But Mel Gibson's is dark and more of like a metal way. Well, he's really Santa. Yeah. That's the difference. He's really Santa. He's really Santa, but he's being impacted by real world problems. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's, yeah, that's what makes it dark comedic in some way. (laughs) Yeah. He also acts like a regular human being too. (laughs) Like Santa don't, you wouldn't think Mm. Santa got fucking a cult (laughs) fucking, you know, and starts dual wielding pistols, but that's, that's how it is. (laughs) Yeah. And in the scene where the government shows up and gives him his 50% check, he's like, Hey, this is 50%. What the fuck is she? And this government chick's like, well, you've actually only produced 50% of the product agreed upon. And it's just like this moment where you realize, Oh, this movie is not what I thought it was. Like we're, we're going straight into like, economics See, and just like capitalism yeah. and all like this, this stuff this is a lot hold to the movie for me though to be honest because it is to be honest is the glaring plot, plot hole just for one factor is like well but you're like this you're setting this up you know as you being this ancient being essentially you've been around for a long time doing christmas for as long as the tradition's been around which means you've been around before real governments have been around. So like, how are you keeping this operation going before government subsidies? Mm-hmm. You know, why did you have to get involved with the government in general? It just doesn't like, that was the one thing I didn't understand. I was, I was like, if you're this mighty powerful being, you know, and you had to do this, I just, it just conflicts. And then the fact with the, how the movie ends you're just like, well, what now? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the whole Santa Claus mythos is really weird. Like, it, it it's nothing to do with Chris. It's not actually anything to do with Christ or the rising of Christ or Christian religions. And <laughs> it's weird how they've co-opted it and they get offended. Like, Christians will get offended when you tell them this. But it's like, dude... Christmas is a pagan religion. Santa Claus is based off of a horror movie, essentially. All the religions are jacked. They just need to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) And all the imagery of Christmas, like if you look at like like the most early imagery of Christmas, it all relates to psychedelic mushrooms. Like it's it's not. It's not Christ rising from the grave, like or whatever the fuck they think it is. So when I look at this movie, I'm like, well, okay, your your take is, hey, why? What happened before governments? Like, why? Why was this okay before governments existed to pay you? I my take on this is he became a real person based off of a legend and sort of just filled the role. Like, I don't think that he's eternal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. But I mean, that's still, I mean, just it doesn't really fix the plot hole that I mean, that just begs the question is Mel Gibson, Santa Claus in this mythos just fucked up somehow and got involved with the government and can't get out or he's just 
like just given up on doing it the traditional way because it's too hard. Like, I mean, how were his predecessors doing it without mm -hmm. subsidies? <laughs> well, there, there is one interesting part of this movie. It's one of the few parts that deals with the elves. And there's this part where he's like, oh, this is seven. He runs the elf department. And then the military guy's like, what happened to one through six? And Mel Gibson's like, they didn't. That's my favorite it. part. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, okay, so wait a second. We already know that elves live forever, right? Like they talk at one point in this movie where elf number seven is talking to the military guys at like the cafeteria or whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, I take 20 minute naps a few times a day and I just eat sugar and then I live forever. And they're all like, is that how Santa Claus runs forever? And he's like... No, he just runs on the giving. And it goes right to like a, a boxing scene where fucking Mel Gibson's punching a punching bag. I love that, by the way. Yeah. That was a great little mashup, the like transitionary scene. <laughs> but that, that scene, I feel like, is very important to what we're talking about right now. So we know that there were seven elves in the history of the elves. We're on the seventh one. There were six before. We know the elves live a very long time. So they are kind of saying Santa Claus is eternal. But at the same time, seven is not infinity. So he's not actually eternal. He just goes really far back if we extrapolate the elf lifespan, which, I mean, the way that he was talking about it, it sounded like elves lived hundreds of years. Well, he's the seventh elf. So remember, they don't rename elves. So, I mean, he is, like, from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. You, or you could argue some of them are different generations in that factory that they don't touch on. But, I mean, Seven is definitely OG. <laughs> yeah. And one of my few criticisms of this movie is that it felt a little disjointed at a certain point. I felt like, after I finished it, I was like, I feel like part of this movie was cut. That For had sure. a lot to do with the elves and the inner yeah. workings with Santa Claus, independent of Walter Goggins and independent of Billy, the kid and independent of the military and all that stuff. And I thought there was going to be, uh, yeah, I thought there was going to be a side plot with the leader of the military group and seven, like him trying to coerce him into like, you know, not working exclusively for Santa Claus anymore. Yeah. Well, there's like one, there was, one talking scene with an elf, right? And it was like three minutes long in the entire movie. That's right. kind of weird if you think about it. Well, only him, right? Yeah. Only seven. Yeah, he's the only one who talked. Every single other elf was just a, a background character. And honestly, we don't even know if they were elves or not. They could have just been a bunch of midgets following an elf. Well, no, there's that one point where, like, the one of them found the bomb and he, like, took it apart superhuman fast and then, like, dashed away like the Flash. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. You're right. That And that's weird, too, because the supernatural powers are one of the biggest surprises for me in this movie. I Like, like I said, I'm going in Bad Santa. I'm thinking Billy Bob Thornton. I'm talking regular Earth mechanics like nothing supernatural nothing sci-fi nothing weird just like this is a movie that exists on the real planet earth that's what i kind of expected going into this movie and we have the super elves and then we have the immortal santa 
that we see at the end who is murdered and just rises from the dead like Jesus. <laughs> so we're right back to Jesus. Maybe maybe the Christians got this right, man. Never say that. <laughs> but uh I never give zealots any fucking room. <laughs> did you notice that so let's go into Walter Goggins a little bit. You you really liked him in this movie. I liked him. I don't think I liked him as much as you did, but I liked him in this movie. And one of my favorite parts is the early ons with him with the the torture scene. So, <laughs> the fucking little girl. So, I thought so, it was going to get really dark. <laughs> that, that was not only dark, it was bold. Like, to do something like that is so against the grain, is going to offend so many people. And the fact that they did it, like, think think about it like this. How many times have you seen a child torture scene in your entire life? Almost never, right? Yeah, I don't think it's a lot. No, it's a, it's not smiled upon. Like, it's not something that you do in good company. And the Helms brothers were like, nah, we're doing a child torture scene, bruh. <laughs> and the fact that Walter Goggins signed on to it and he's okay with it was great. I love the fact that he was there and he's like, yeah, let's do this shit. We see little <laughs> Billy torturing this girl. Who well, beat him at the science never, fair? It, the torturing never happened, right? Well, okay, <laughs> that's probably how they get away with it too. You probably just nailed how they get away with it because you're right; it doesn't actually happen. But all of the threatening it's, it's parts and everything—it's kidnapping and intimidation. Yeah, yeah, they kind of like get like they do the threatening part, but they don't actually do a lot of the torture part. And I think the real reason that the scene works is because Skinny Man. The, the assassin, he is basically a grown-up version of Billy, the kid who is torturing this girl and who has hired Skinny Man to help abduct her. And another reason why I think this actually passed the censors and didn't get shot down is because he doesn't actually do anything. He's up against the wall just watching Billy do the threatening. Now right. imagine if imagine if Goggins Skinny Man was the one saying all the lines of Billy in the scene. I love his scene though when he's like bringing her back home. He's like, "Just say you went to the mall and we're looking for Christmas presents for your parents." He's like, "We don't have any money for Christmas. I don't fucking care." <laughs> <laughs> all right, and then she just kind of looks down and he's like, "Hey." You did really good today. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that scene was great. And I like the part where he asked if she had a dog and she asked what the dog's name was. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Jojo Beans. And he's just <laughs> yeah. like, I'm going to kill Jojo Beans if you say shit. <laughs> it's like, that was a, that, that's one of those scenes in this movie where it reminds you of Quentin Tarantino. There's a lot of move, a lot of scenes in this movie where it has Quentin Tarantino vibes. And this one in the car where he's talking to this girl after yeah. Billy threatened to torture her and threatening her not to talk was very Tarantino, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a good scene. I also like the scene with Santa panic calling uh, people on Christmas Eve. 
when uh, the military comes and threatens him, it's like, oh, we're only going to give you half, and we have this deal for you, and Santa's like, fuck you, bitch, I'm not a part of the military-industrial complex, I'll fucking call Elon Musk. <laughs> like, I love that part where he's just, like, calling people. Like, <laughs> what, what do you got for me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's just like, yeah, I mean, you know that it's serious, because it's Christmas Eve when I'm calling you, and you know that we do good work, and you, you know, you know, back in 98, we did great together, right? You know, and then, like, she's like, uh, no, nah, we can't do it. And he's like, okay, I understand. And then he, at the end of the call, because you don't hear her, you just hear him. And he's like, okay, Ju Jinping, I understand. Good evening. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, dude, like, what a commentary on the made in China toy business. Like, <laughs> you, this movie has so many moments like that where it just pulls you out and you're like, oh, shit. That, that just happened. <laughs> Well, he like well, the end of that scene is him like ranting and stomping away, saying he's like they got fucking uh, they got eight year olds in factories working for a, a stick of chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> and while he's doing this, he's using those like little hand exerciser things, and, and yeah. it breaks in his hands while he's talking to her, the Chinese chick. I'm just, that was great. I love that whole scene. It was a very subtle and amazing scene. God, what a fucking! That's a weird movie. It is, and and then that scene ends with him ring, 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 ring. What do you got for me, Elon? And then it fades away. I <laughs> <laughs> was such a great. This movie has so many little great moments in it, like that, where they all kind of add up in totality at the end. You're just like, that was pretty awesome. What I just experienced. You know this wasn't censored or changed for Chinese theaters. Oh <laughs> uh, no, no, this movie is not coming out in China. That is what I'm gonna. I'll, I'll make that crack seller prediction right now. Fat Man is not going. Is not gonna go gold in China. It's gonna be like bootleg DVD, like we were getting in like the mm. like the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, dude, the, the same way that we got Bible back in 1990. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Chinese are getting fat man in 2020. <laughs> yep, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> oh shit! I God, I really what a time to be alive. <laughs> I really like the middle of this movie. Because of like the little there. So, okay. So the middle of this movie has two kind of aspects to it. It has the military buildup at Santa's lair. And it also has the Walter Goggins, uh, road trip to find Santa. Like a, it's almost like a montage that would like start and then it clip away to like some military shit with Santa. Then it would go back to Walter Goggins and it would go back to Santa I loved that part of the movie where you just saw him kind of like going through life, kind of preparing to fight Santa, gaining clues where Santa's at. All that shit was great. This is obsession. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird. <laughs> that that was the other part of the movie I thought was missing, you know, was his like actual backstory because there was like a, a moment where he shows a kid you know, like what it's like to get, you know, pretty much abused by your dad. Right. Yeah. He had cigarette burns on his arm <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is okay. I get it now where he's coming from. 
he had a bad childhood. He didn't get to celebrate. He didn't get Christmas presents or whatever. And at the end, it's like it's revealed that, you know, Santa knows who he is. Of course, like he knows everybody and that he's really skinny man's really mad at him because he didn't give him the gift he really wanted, which was bringing his dead parents back to life. And I was like, all right, well, those are the only two times you get any background knowledge to this character and they conflict with each other. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) And they kind of left that kind of open to interpretation a little bit because you don't even really know for sure that they died. They, the way that he describes it, it's almost like they were, they were good parents for one year, but then they died to me because they became bad, abusive parents, but maybe they never actually died. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. That'd be weird. It, <laughs> it is. It, that is one of the more like kind of gray area open interpretation parts of this movie is uh skinny man's parents and the whole connection with Santa and the car. So basically what we know is that Santa gave him this little cop car toy as a present in his first Christmas that he remembers, but then never gave him anything after that. And the implication is that because Santa in real life is your parents, that his parents gave him that car in the first year when they were cool, but then abused him or shit to him the rest of the way and never gave him another Christmas present again. So no, because the car had the made in Santa's shop thing, you know, like everything else. Right. I see what you're saying and that you're, you're true on that, but I feel like the way they write this movie they kind of make it like Santa delivers it, but maybe it's only delivered if the parents would have delivered it. You know what I mean? Or here's the dark take. Super dark take. Cause he got, oh, uh, he got a, take. he got a cop car, right? Why'd he get a cop car? One of two reasons. In my opinion, one, his dad was a cop, an abusive cop which would have been fucking really cruel of Santa, which would make him why he hates Santa or it's symbolizing the cops coming to his house after he killed his parents, after mm. the, after his dad was abusive to him, right? Oh, Maybe his dad killed his mom and then he killed him or something like that. Yada, yada. And then, you know, for Christmas or whatever, he wanted to bring him back because he was so lonely and he was in child custody program. Yada, you know, all that bullshit. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. that's the real dark, unexplained take <laughs> of it. Hmm. I didn't go that far, but yeah, uh... I go deep. All right. <laughs> I go multiple <laughs> layers deep. All right. That's what you get from me. <laughs> uh, speaking of deep, uh, broadcaster Nichols. Do you think Keanu Reeves was offered a role in this movie at some point? I thought you were going to ask me if Metal Gear Solid Zero exists. <laughs> That's my next question. I'm glad you're ready. Um, no, maybe that'd be funny. <laughs> I'd like to. No, I'd like. Maybe. I'd like to have that question posed to uh, Keanu. Because I find that very funny if the answer to that question was yes. <laughs> and he just was like, and 
well, the answer to the question was he asked was yes, and he said no. <laughs> I really liked uh, Walter Goggins in this movie as Skinny Man. Don't get me wrong here. I really liked him, and I think he's one of he's probably number two behind Mel Gibson in terms of like how great they were in the movie. The entire movie I was watching this, all I could think of is like Walter Goggins' character is basically a Keanu Reeves character. And I just kept Well, thinking, he's not Keanu a Keanu Reeves, Reeves character. He's a John period. Wick ripoff, is what he is. <laughs> okay, modern Keanu Reeves character. Yes, you're right. Keanu Reeves had, used to have more range back in the day. Pre 2002, he played a variety of roles. He went from Johnny Mnemonic to uh, Tequila. No, he wasn't Tequila Sunrise. I'm thinking <laughs> that was Kurt what, Russell. Uh, I mean, what did he do before and after John Wick? He's only done like one assassin type movie. In fact, he did that one. I think the only that's even close to John Wick that's in the relative future is that one where he plays like the super attractive, like villainous cool guy in that chick flick. You know, you remember that? Oh yeah. With like the two drunk girls show up at his door. I think that's what it, I never watched it, but I remember I that. that. And I, and I remember him being some type of suave killer. So I'm just like, all right, that's the only thing that comes to mind where he played even remotely a, a killer. Yeah. I don't know. I, when I, I was just watching Skinny Man's role in this movie, and all I could think of is that this seems like a role that would have been offered to Keanu Reeves first, <laughs> and then once he declined it, would have been offered to Walter Coggins. <laughs> I think Walt, Walton would say, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. I was in Vice Principles, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dude. He was excellent in that show. <laughs> best work in my opinion he was, he was really great. good in crazy eight he, yeah uh he was good in it but he got his testicles blown off right man you respect the man <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute that was was that samuel the guy's testy blown off yeah, that was that was Samuel. I think he got shot in the leg or something. I forget. <laughs> Someone lost a test. It was like a three-hour-plus movie, all right? Give me a break. <laughs> so, uh... One Hateful of the, Eight. One of Hateful the, Eight. <laughs> one of the better endings in recent memory, in my opinion, in Fat Man. I loved the ending of this movie. What about you? What do you think about the ending of Fat Man? It was appropriate. <laughs> just just based on the buildup, I was like, man, well, I can't imagine this being a happy ending. But it was dark, as expected. But it, it was like, you know, watching a little sprout pop up in the spring, you know? You just feel like, all right, things aren't that bad. <laughs> you know, there's harvest is coming. <laughs> yeah. F- first, I'll say, so the, the ending of this movie really starts with about 20 minutes left in the movie, and 
uh, skinny man confronts fat man. And we, we finally get like the, the confrontation between the two and basically skinny man beats fat man. He kills Santa and we think that he won and he goes into the house to try and kill Mrs. Claus, which I loved. I love the fact that he wasn't just satisfied <laughs> with killing Santa Claus. <laughs> he had to take down the Mrs. too. What well, a legendary character. Mrs. Claus shot him first. Right, but he kind of provoked him, but we'll never know if his actual intentions were to go after her too. He, <laughs> dude, he just he just assassinated Santa Claus. Mrs. Claus took a shot at him with a handgun from 80,000 miles away. Okay, whatever. You can yeah, just bounce and be like, With an I old win. school handgun, too. Right. This is some fucking modern firearm. <laughs> at that point, if you're him, you can just bounce and be like, all right, I took down Santa Claus. I'm good. And just leave. But he doesn't. He's like, oh, fuck that bitch. And he goes after her in her own home, which I just thought was such a baller move. And he is met with violent reprisal <laughs> as as pantera would put it uh this is not this, this scene is so good he's just going through this house looking for mrs claus and and it shows him in the spot and the camera just turns a little bit and you see mrs claus with a handgun to his head and boom and it's just what a violent kill it reminded me of mortal kombat <laughs> it was it pretty much went to that degree right it's like a normal 2d fighter you're fighting all someone something all of a sudden someone pulls off like one of the what do they call those that started in mortal kombat 9 like the x-ray plays oh yeah <laughs> just like oh shit <laughs> game over <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that was that was unexpected. So so after he kills... It's interesting how this movie goes. So after he kills Santa Claus, and he, and Mrs. Claus takes a shot, and she misses, and she's like, oh, fuck, and runs and hides in the house, and he goes after him like, oh, this movie's been dark the entire time, but now I get it. Like, now I understand, like, the undercurrent of darkness of this movie. Like, we're literally about to watch Santa Claus be murdered, and then Mrs. Claus be murdered in the same, like, little segment of scenes and i'm just sitting here like oh damn this is some dark brutal shit and then mrs claus come goes in and just murks this motherfucker and i'm like oh that's not what i expected but you know i mean santa claus is still dead right and they go out and santa claus isn't dead because santa claus is immortal so there are supernatural powers in this movie santa claus is an immortal I did not see that coming either. This movie is a string of unexpected circumstances that just throw you off. And nothing threw me off more than when he just rose from the dead. Well, I mean, you kind of have to assume he's immortal because he's been around for forever. But at, at the same time, you're like, oh, I didn't realize he was like Highland, like every it's like the old highlander immortal versus real immortal you know you're like oh well i thought i lived forever but i thought you could like kill him you know mm -hmm. and stop that you know but i guess not <laughs> yeah 
So what do you think about the ending? Like, I'm a big stickler on endings in everything. And I'm usually disappointed by endings. I'd say the majority of things I watch or play, I'm disappointed in the ending. This is one of those rare ones where not only do I think when I go into this movie, it's just going to be some C-grade schlock that there's no way it could have a good ending. This was fucking A-grade schlock, and it had an A-grade ending, in my opinion. What say you, Broadcaster Nichols? Yeah, it definitely was like A-grade schlock, but I think it had a triple-A ending for sure. It 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 just it, it had a, more, a morally fitting ending in an unexpected way, because you're just like kind of watching this dark Christmas movie with this man that clearly has an agenda to kill Santa Claus, eventually fulfills his role. And then all of a sudden it kind of like band-aids the darkness by just like pretty much giving you the same kind of commentary they gave you on the economical uh, relation in the beginning of the movie, you know, making the contract with the military that, you know, we deal with this. We've been around for so long that and Santa Claus said it before he died. You know, you think you're the first motherfucker to come after me, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, it made me think after he died and came back, you know, is just like, I think he's done this before. Mm-hmm. I think that's what that box, like the emphasis on that scene of him coming back with the bullet in his stomach and him like putting the gun under the box. And then the scene of him pulling that back out and getting both guns. It's like, it was kind of like the set piece where it's just like, it's happening again type of thing, you know? Definitely. Uh, So I, I I thought it was a proper way to end the movie and kind of confirm, you know, that type of question that was prevailing throughout the movie. Yeah. That's an interesting take. Uh, you're you're kind of going the lost direction here, the infinite circle where you just keep you you keep doing the same thing over and over again. You think it's new, but you've done this before. Well, I don't think in like the sense that you don't realize you've done this before because he clearly knows what's happening. It's just kind of in the beginning of the movie, they're like, "Oh, Santa's poor," you know, because kids aren't that good anymore. And so they give you an example of kids being bad and Santa having to deal with it, obviously, by irresponsible kids shooting firearms up in the air and nicking the sled and hitting him in the stomach that would kill a mortal man, you know, and stuff like that. And that trans and that's the example of, you know, why he's not giving out so many toys. So that's why he's not getting money from the government in some, like I said, odd way for some reason. (laughs) But nonetheless, it's just it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, with at the end of the movie where he then gives you the proclamate or the, the the proclamation is just like you're not the first person to do this before and you're just like oh is that just shit talking you know is that just bolstering and then he comes back to life after dying and you're just like it doesn't matter like <laughs> you know he's like he's been doing this for a long time kids have always been really shitty but they're just getting worse like he said mm. at the beginning, you know, it's like a when like a guy, it's like it, this is like a weird connection, but it's like take any God, you know, it's like said, what if Jesus Christ was in front of you or Zeus was in front of you or Muhammad or uh, Allah was in front of you or whatever. And they were just like, I've seen a lot of shit, but this is bad. 
<laughs> you know, then then you're just like, oh, that all of a sudden this movie is a message to people. You know, mm-hmm. kind of just like even Santa thinks t- times are really fucking bad because <laughs> he's seen this play out over and over, but he thinks this one's worse. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely think this movie was a message. Yeah. That's my deep cut. <laughs> and uh, as you know, Broadcaster Nichols, we have a deep cut on every episode of The Crack Cellar called The Hit, The Miss, and The Whiff. What is your hit? Shit. Mel Gibson is Santa Claus, motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, he did. I mean, can you imagine any other dark universe Santa Claus? I mean, Billy Bob did it, you know? And you're just like, well, who? It's like when someone tells you who can replace Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, you know? And then someone doesn't, holds it off, and you're just like, God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> So I think that's kind of the feeling you get with Mel Gibson playing Santa Claus. You're just like, this is what I needed. I always needed it. I just didn't know it. Tim Allen <laughs> was there for me as a child. And then he got blacklisted by Hollywood. <laughs> and then Mel Gibson was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm taking up the mantle. <laughs> and I'm going to put some hot sauce into this fucking cookie patch. <laughs> the ironic thing is Mel Gibson's like triple blacklisted compared to Tim Allen. <laughs> he's like yeah i'm busting through it's like tim allen was complaining i'm blacklisted they won't make me make let me make a christmas movie and mel gibson's like hold my beer (laughs) (laughs) yeah my hit is mel gibson's one-liners in this movie specifically i think this movie has some of the best one-liners of the last 20 years it had great one-liners. So we've already talked about one. You think you're the first? <laughs> that that line echoed through the trailer, echoed through the movie. It's just like one of those lines that will it's inescapable. Like when he says it, the way he says it, like the earnestness of how he delivers it is so good. It's one of those transcendent lines. And there's more. There's so many more. It's like you think I got this job because I'm fat and jolly? Like, <laughs> and then they're at the end of the movie when he's threatening uh, the kid because he's about to poison grandma. He's like, you kill that woman, I'll come in your sleep. I'll rip the covers off you. Like, the way he delivers it is just so visceral. <laughs> That was such a striking image, too. <laughs> it was, <laughs> was like, I was like, damn, I wish Santa looked like this a little bit longer in the movie. <laughs> and, and and a line that came earlier in the movie where the military is questioning him on his quota. He's like, we're not handing out participation trophies. This is Christmas. Like... <laughs> There's so many great one-liners from Mel Gibson in this movie. It's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the 90s. How many good one-liners are in this? I'll tell you right now, if Arnold wasn't fucking taken by the dark side of Hollywood, he would have been in this movie. For sure. 
I don't know why Tim Allen wasn't in this movie because he definitely agrees with maybe him and Mel just don't like each other. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> that really should have fucking been there though. I would have gotten so many people on board. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your miss? The miss, I would say, probably the blatant mi- cut from the movie. I, it just doesn't make sense. Maybe that. Let me think about that. Yeah, I would just say it's probably just the cut from the movie where you clearly see that there was some f- scenes in the movie that were supposed to explain a couple characters and maybe uh, allude to some other mysteriously placed scenes in the movie and flesh them out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It just seemed odd. You know, like it's like, well, maybe it was a last minute decision. And they just need to save on some time and they didn't really fully edit the movie to make it seem like it was never there. But there was just that scene with the, the seven and the lead army sergeant or whatever. It just didn't make sense to me. No. I was like, like, why are you wasting time trying to get the the viewer to think something's up with this military guy persuading the el- the lead elf? And then all of a sudden, nothing. yeah i agree i think that that scene you're talking about was a part of like another 30 minutes of scenes that were cut out of the movie i think there was a whole nother chunk of this movie revolving around the elves in the military that we just never saw (laughs) that being said my miss is only showing us the one-eyed pirate version of santa in the final 30 second scene dude Mel Gibson as the one-eyed pirate Santa in that last 30 second scene is jarringly amazing like when you're watching him you're just like dude this guy should have got his own entire movie we should have had an entire movie just on one-eyed eye patch Santa and that's oh dude it would (laughs) it was so cool like whoever came up with the costume design deserves a promotion like uh, if you yeah. wanted to make an intimidating evil santa you did it <laughs> that was badass and talk about leaving them them wanting more like all the way up till the very end of this movie i was like this is a great movie i don't need a sequel don't need a sequel all the way to the very last fucking scene and then it gets to this last 30 second scene where we see pirate eye patch santa being at like the the war front where all of his elves are rebuilding his empire and his wife's like i thought you were gonna take it easy and and he's like i am taking it easy bitch and then it just fades (laughs) away and it goes to the credits i'm just like god damn it what what have we done (laughs) we need a sequel now That being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your whiff? The whiff, uh, you know, I can't. It's hard. I'm going to say it's really just the Christmas theme. Not all the Christmas. I don't think there was enough Christmas themes in the movie to really make it enough of a Christmas movie worth qualifying. It for that. I think it was mm-hmm. more of a, a story that kind of had a Christmas wrap around it. You know, I think you could have taken Santa Claus and the mythos of Santa Claus out of that movie and replaced it with something they made up and it could have stood by itself. I, I think there should like the reindeer should have been there. 
Like, and I think there should have been like more of like a, a crumpus type, like dark style Santa, you know, like he was, it was definitely dabbling in that type of universe. And it would just, I'm not saying go full Lord of the Rings, Santa Claus type shit, but it would have been cool to see some reindeer in the actual sleigh and maybe some, like some actual waxy amber burning candles on some like Christmas ornament type shit, you know, and a Christmas tree and, and all that stuff, because then you can kind of convince more people to watch it for the season. And I think it would have been more popular, but the reason why I'm doing it as the whiff is because I'll never know. I'll never know if that w- that's a good idea or a bad idea. If it's a perfect how it is, or if they could have got a more of an audience appeal by just a- sprinkling in a little bit more of the actual Christmas assets because they kept it really uh, nebulous with everything that actually is a hard connection to Santa. You know, they called them Chris Kringle and never, they really refrained from calling him Santa Claus they ne- they only showed one little small warehouse of elves you know they didn't really show the operation where the presents are actually made you know when i when, i guess what I'm, I'm comparing it to is tim allen's you know movie where you see this giant like cool santa sh- uh, shop where it has all the the style and the mm. the aesthetics you know like that and you don't have completely any of that and i'm not saying dial it up to 11 like tim allen's but the same time, I feel like it just wasn't dialed up enough. Hmm. Like it, in the future, if you wanted to be like, I think my kid's old enough to watch this, honey. And they're just like, absolutely not. That's not a Christmas movie. Just like people argue about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. I feel like you're going to have the same conversation with people <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> and I think that's a whiff on their part. They could have made it just slightly more Christmas. <laughs> Interesting. Well, my whiff is much less in-depth than yours, but more a topic of our times, Broadcaster Nichols. My whiff is Santa's wife having a British accent. What the (laughs) fuck was that? Broadcaster Nichols, Santa Claus's wife cannot have a British accent. I didn't even notice that. I was so See, mad. that's what diversity that's what diversity does, kids. It blinds you to the things you really should be paying attention to. 1776 will commence again unless Santa thought, Claus gets a wife without a British accent. I feel you. I feel you. Broadcaster Nichols, as you know, over the years, you have misconstrued our official Joker rating system many times. <laughs> slanderous erroneous account (laughs) you've said a Cesar Romero is an A rank you've said a Jack Nicholson is a B rank you've said a Heath Ledger is a D rank you've said a Jared Leto is an S rank I made the last one up because I wanted to slander you court stenographer (laughs) I'm gonna need the the records reviewed for me (laughs) no one would dare declare Jared Leto an S rank not even but that being said broadcaster Nichols on this hollowed system what do you rate Batman? Uh, I, I I rate it top clown man. Top, top clown man. <laughs> it's going to be a, it's definitely going to be a walking Phoenix for me. <laughs> it was a great movie. I mean, it definitely there's, there's movies that I would say 
are in the same quality category, but I wouldn't consider an S rank. But this movie has a special value, aka the S rank. You know, it just has a little special sauce to it that I think not a lot of movies are willing to uh, um, approach or even be as bold as this movie was. Mm. So it 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 definitely belongs up there. But it's I I just want to hit the hit it home that even though I'm giving it an S rank. It's not like triple A movie by any means. It's not like fucking holy shit. This is the movie of our times, (laughs) but it's a great movie and it's a special movie. And I think I'll definitely remember it for quite some time. It's not a movie I'm going to forget about. No, you, I will never forget. (laughs) I will never forget the moment where they confront each other in that snowy field and he just says, you think you're the first like that moment will forever stand in my mind, much like the moment where uh, a certain person on event horizon says, we don't need eyes to see where we're going. It's sort of that. <laughs> it's that type of scene where I just know I'm never going to forget about it. It's going to be there. Forever. Who is Mel Gibson Santa? Really? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so in uh, Batman 2, perhaps one Sam Neill might be guest starring. Perhaps. Holla. That being said, my official Joker rating is a little different than Broadcaster Nichols. I'm going to go ahead and give this a simple jack. It's a great movie. It's a good movie. It's not Mel Gibson's best movie. I'd say it's like right in the median of Mel Gibson movies. It's it like right in the dead middle of bottom and top. Like it's not it's not as good as Lethal Weapon, but it's also not as bad as Daddy's Home 2. You know, like it's right it's right in the middle of his ethos. Maybe a slight edge up in his ethos, but because Mel Gibson is such a legendary actor, the middle for him is an A rank for everyone else. And uh, with that, we will close out. Sound like a Chinese shill. (laughs) You know, I think it's really funny that the wife was actually a British black woman because of the (laughs) implications with Mel Gibson's past. Mm -hmm. It was almost like this meta fuck you to the audience (laughs) or anybody that doesn't like him. It's like, ah, I got a black woman to be my wife and I'm fucking Santa Claus. Fuck (laughs) y'all.